Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I'm starting to believe that we give up on certain goals because it just seems so far into a distance. Like the amount of weight that needs to be lost, forget it. I'm just going to go ahead and just inhale this hamburger instead. You know, the amount of debt that we're currently in is just outrageous. We might as well just forget it. Let's just go on a shopping spree. You know, retail therapy, if you will. But whatever said goal is, we always have this way of looking at it to make us look small and to make the goal that's supposed to inspire us to make it look like it's Mount Rushmore, right? And so I feel like in those times more than any, we absolutely positively need a different perspective because it's a goal for a reason. And I think the reason why we go ahead and just say, have that forget it mentality, that forget it posture, is because we don't really think it's realistic. At the end of the day, we want something that we can possibly be proud of. And so if we see that we're working out for 15 minutes straight and we don't have eight abs in counting, then it's just like, you know what, just, you don't feel proud of yourself. You feel like, why am I doing all this work and there's no result? So make me want to go ahead and put on my thinking cap. Hmm. And I decided I wanted to do a little study. Now, to be completely honest with you, what sparked this was I was listening to Dave Ramsey and he said something that totally shocked me. And I was like, what? And it made me want to do some digging. He and his co-partner um, that's on this particular show, it was Chris Hogan, did a 10,000 millionaire interview kind of thing with 10,000 millionaires, right? And the number one uh, profession found in that particular study was, matter of fact, I'm going to give you a minute. What you think it is? No, say it. Nope, not that one. I thought about that one too. What else? Nope. Okay, give up. No, I want you to give up so I can say it. Um, ready? Drum roll. Bink. Teacher. Right. <laughs> That's the same. That is the same face I gave. I was like, I'm sorry. You mean one plus one is two? Those? Yes. And he said the obvious. He said it wasn't because of their salary. That it was because they were consistent in their profession. Now, I'm sure that this is, you know, prior to children being super disrespectful. <laughs> you know, teachers are working for 14 minutes now, and then you can have a nice day. But the fact that he said two things that really was like, wow, I didn't think of it that way. He said teachers usually, once they teach, they are consistent in that profession, and they are usually married to, if married at all, someone who also has a consistent uh, job, whether it's a firefighter, an engineer, what have you, that it was the consistency in the work ethic and retaining a job more than it was maintaining a big salary. Mind blown, right? It makes you look like, wait a minute, because prior to receiving or hearing any of that information, I'm thinking NBA star, you know, celebrity of some sort, some type of CEO, some type of lucrative Forbes company owner, some type of something. And it's no, 
get into a profession that you love, maintain it, remain consistent in that, and the consistency of that paycheck when you're doing your investing, when you're, you know, paying off certain stuff, the consistency is what digs out of the, sh the hole, is the said shovel for the debt hole or the goal to become a millionaire. So I was like, okay, time out. I got to call you. You know, when I find something out, I get super excited. And I'm like, listen, we're going on a trip because I need to find out more. You know, put on your backpack. Let's go, right? So I went on DaveRamsey.com after that or now that we're on the phone now, because I'm like, that made me think. And essentially what he said was the top five careers for millionaires included engineer, accountant, teacher, uh, management, and attorney. Attorney actually made number five. Right. I'm like, teacher over attorney? Listen, I'm, that's, that's, that's what's going down in these streets that 79% of millionaires did not receive any inheritance at all from their parents or other family members. Because to be honest, we, we think of it like, oh, okay, if you come from a family of money, you, you're you going to continue that particular lineage of, you know, millionaire status. No, 79% of them didn't. Eight out of 10 millionaires invested in their company's 401k. Now, that needs to be talked on because uh, a lot of us don't do that. Retirement just seems like it's all the way over there, right? And so we don't really factor that into our now because we'll get to that later. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a huge mistake. I think that you should go ahead and do it now. Um, it says 8 out of 10. Okay, so 8 out of 10 went ahead and did uh, contribute it to their company's 401k. And um, 3 of the 4 invested outside of the company's 401k. Okay, so that's something that needs to be taken into consideration. Um, let's see, that working consistently, the people in the study became millionaires by consistently saving over time. In fact, they worked, saved, and invested for an average of 28 years before hitting the millionaire mark. And that most of them reached that milestone by 49. Now, granted, you do that math that says that you've been working since 21. So if we were to go ahead and get, you know, at 28 to whatever current age, you still have some time. As long as it's under 90, you still got it running. <laughs> you know, you in there. Let's go ahead and do that thing. But I found that to be so mind-blown because I think that especially in this era that we feel more like okay got to get to the next promotion got to get to the next paying job you know got to get to the next dollar we're making all these moves to make sure that our income is increasing but we're not developing those behaviors that's going to make it where we actually reach and not even millionaire just wealth just extreme wealth than we than our family line is used to Wealth that we haven't accumulated at that time or at this time, you cannot, it does not matter how much money you make if you don't have the habits to, to maintain that. It just, it doesn't. A lot of us are praying, God, please, you know, give me this next increase. But what you really should be praying for is, God, give me um, economic wisdom. Give me the wisdom that's needed to maintain $5 more. Because the $5 that I had, I'm not doing too good with it, Right. But that's just on the, on the side of finances. It did say that most of the millionaires did go to school, but it wasn't elite schools. That 62% graduated from a public state school. 
So don't feel bad if you, you know, trying to get to an elite because you want to do the HBCU or you want to do the Harvard or all the other, you know, Yales and bigger names. Long gone are the days, I truly believe, where people are hiring you because of where, what school you went to. I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that you would be limited to, ugh, you got your MBA from where. And again, if that is something that is, I had a friend that told me that she feels like certain firms aren't hiring her because of where she got her law degree. Now, that makes me want to throw the phone. You mean to tell me you went to school for law, you passed your bar exam, you are as good as any other focused lawyer out there, and someone is going to decline your application for employment because of where you got that degree from. Now, again, it's different than saying you went to McDonald's.com and you got a certificate real quick, right? But when you've shown I put in the years I've actually passed the state exam, okay, the bar, that makes me angry. And that's why I'm getting a little elevated because I don't know if it's biased because I know her personally or if I feel like what time are we living in that we're still looking at, oh, you went to school where? What does that matter if someone's passing the credentials that's needed to show that they've exceeded the state's requirement to show that, oh, you know a little bit about what you're talking about? And if you're in that position that you can actually, that you're blessed enough to give people the opportunity to work, that you're blessed enough to be in any of the recruiting and how whatever it takes to get people into your company, please don't have it where you're looking at um, – origin of school and you're not giving the person a chance I mean seriously out of all the people who didn't go to school or have no desire to this person put in their money their hard work their time to then be turned down of any sort because of where they went to school from I'm getting angry yeah let's go ahead and move on you're right no you're right <laughs> yeah it's making me I'm mm -hmm, my deodorant is feeling a little bit like hey <laughs> we're, we're losing our grip <laughs> just come on with it so outside of the money situation and the millionaire status on that, I wanted to approach other aspects of life that we may kind of look at like, ah, that looks like Goliath. In regards to, let's go ahead, nope, let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Wait. Now, again, it is relative to the person, your frame, your body shape, but I kind of just wanted to get a ballpark figure so that we can stop setting these unrealistic expectations for ourselves. So I went ahead and just did a good old, I went to Bishop Google, and I just typed in, how long does it take to lose 50 pounds? Right? Just Let's just throw something out there real quick. And Livestrong.com says that, since everyone's daily caloric intake is different, which I just said, it's hard to put a number on how many calories to eat each day. Cutting out 1,000 calories a day will cut 7,000 calories a week. Cutting 7,000 calories a week gives you a two-pound weight loss each week. So losing 50 pounds will take 25 weeks or about give or take six months. Now, if the counting calorie thing just seems super overwhelming and it's like, listen, I just, I don't want to walk around with a calculator when I'm ordering something, when I'm going grocery shopping. It's just, it's overwhelming. It feels like my only beverage of choice is water and the biggest meal I can eat is ice and I'm over it. I get it. But I think we don't give ourselves 
you know, the accolades and the, we know more than what we let on, right? That's just the bottom line of it all. You know eating that bread with that butter, mm-hmm, yeah, it's going to do something to the to the thigh area. You already know. You already know putting that extra sour cream, extra cheese on that loaded potato. I know your mouth is watering because I'm getting kind of hungry thinking about it myself, but you know what it's going to do to the chin. It's going to give you that Professor Clump-like experience, right? We already know at this point, drinking all that sugar in that soda, all that particular sweets that's your favorite, and anything in excess is too much. And we don't, let's just keep it real, we don't work out enough to burn what we like to consume. But let me give you a different spin on that. I saw the other day an interview with J-Lo. If you have my love, not, you know her. Um, Jenny from the block, how you doing? Hey, girl. Um, she said her guilty pleasure is she has a chocolate chip every night before she goes to bed. Hmm? Did you hear that? Let me, let me just, chocolate chip. You see how that S wasn't there? No, ma'am. No, sir. Mm-mm. There was no plural. Mm-mm. It's the P at the end. That's it. So it's not that you need to starve thyself to get thy weighteth. It's more of, hey, can we reduce? So maybe not do it where, you know, you're just completely just, I'm going to count every calorie because that can be a little overwhelming, especially if you are not in a place that that is something you'll be comfortable with doing all the time. You may feel super restricted, like I can't. Maybe just make a commitment on not going to drink soda no more. Or at least tell yourself, listen, I'm going to make a commitment for this month, no soda. That you're going to cut out bread automatically. But you know what the human brain does? The very thing that you cut out, now your brain can't think of nothing else to eat. What you going to do without bread? What, do you, what would you possibly drink without soda? We, we, just, we just get so melodramatic. I mean, just honestly. It just, you want it or you don't. I mean, you can go ahead and just, do you, you want a summer body only on the summertime? Or do you want a year-round summer body? Like, how you want to do? You want a year-round summer body or you want a round body all the summer? Like, you know, how you want to do the verbiage? How? How you want to do the verbiage? How? And so at this point, I think we, we, we know enough. I've talked about the weight before, you know, with you. And, again, I'm not, you know, judgment-free phone call here. I'm not poking fun. No, I don't look at you. Don't get sensitive. No, because I know how you can get. Just... Let's just have this conversation. Let's just flow, okay? But it's not only for the goal of appearance, right? It's for the goal of performance. I don't know if you realize it, but the older we get, these kneecaps is letting us know what's really good. The bend down and the come up, it's not as fluid as it used to be, right? Forbid we drop a pin. <laughs> it's excruciating, you know? It's it's a lot going, it's a lot of... um. It's a lot of uh, stress. <laughs> just, ooh, I'm sorry, do what? Yeah, okay, that's not going to work. So again, just, you know what to do. Let's just take the small steps. We watched a good spiritual program when we were younger. Bambi, remember? On my show, my age. You remember Bambi. Okay, that's not even, actually, now that I said it, that's not even the one I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the, um, the, the tortoise and the hare. Thank you. Because I was like, why am I thinking about Bambi? I don't know. I'll figure that out later. But yeah, the tortoise and the hare. 
that was a good spiritual program they showed us to let us know. What, what was the lesson? Do you remember? Hmm? Right. That slow and steady wins the race. And they showed us that as children. And for some reason, as adults, we forgot. Now, can you imagine just getting to the mindset of the Bishop Tortoise real quick? Just getting to that mindset. Sizing up the competition of the hair. Listen, this man got an advantage. He running on all fours. He running on just the hind legs. There's a lot going on. You carrying this real heavy weight called the shell. Thanks, God, you know. Extra protection. I like it in the rain, but in the summer, it's hot. I can't. That's what I will be thinking if I was a tortoise. Please don't judge. But just looking at the competition, being at the starting, the start line, and looking to your left and seeing, oh, my goodness, I'm racing a hair. <laughs> I already lost. I feel like that's how a lot of us look at whatever we feel overwhelmed by. Oh, my goodness, I got so much weight to lose. Oh, my goodness, I have so many bills. Oh, my goodness, am I ever going to get out of debt? And it's just, hey, slow and steady. Slow and steady wins the race. You don't have to get all of it. And just on the weight thing one more time, and I know I'm going to get off of it because you're uncomfortable and I care about you. So we're going to just one more time and I'll get off of that. But... Are we setting realistic goals? Like, let's just throw a number out. If you're a size 16, and don't frown your face, I'm not saying that's what you are. I'm just throwing a number out, okay? Jeez, you are sensitive. Okay, size 16. We can make a long-term goal where it would be, I want to be an 8, right? Let's just say we're just, again, we're in the imaginative realm, and we're going to stay there because there's safety there. Size 8. Please don't set the goal that it needs to be from 16 to an 8. Why don't you treat yourself that you say, hey, the goal for the first 16 weeks or for the next six months is I want to get from a size 16 to a 14 or 12. And then you buy one garment and you measure your growth to that. Maybe even buy a size 8 once you reach the 12, 14 range just to have it where this is my goal so that you have it in front of you. You see what I'm saying? I think a lot of us give up because it's like 18 to this, uh, I said 18 now, I'm sorry, 16 to this 8. It's too, it's too far. It's too over there. But you didn't give yourself the chance. Like, can we just, can we fight this elephant? I was going to say in small bites, but I feel like the elephant reference. Yeah. Okay. I can see why you're getting sensitive. Okay. Let's just move. Let's just move along. No, 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 no. no. Hang up. Hang up. Hang up. Hang up. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Let's talk about student debt. Okay. More comfortable. All right. So sit back. I don't want you sensitive. Listen, I went ahead and looked up how long does it take for the average person to get out of student debt, right? You have your loan forgiveness. And if you work at... A certain company for 10 years, they'll give you, you know, they'll count it off. And if you have this profession, then they'll write it off. Listen, okay. Um, all of those are awesome incentives if you do qualify. for. But for those who don't, I wanted to go ahead and just see 
do we just write this off in our brain and say, forget it, it's going to be there, which a lot of us have done. But I don't think that that was the proper thing to do because, again, don't want this trailing you for the rest of your life. So I wanted to get some inside scoop just to give a different perspective. So according to the U.S. News and World Report, right, it says, let me just make sure that, oh, the usnews.com. It says a standard repayment plan for federal student loans put borrowers on a 10-year track to pay off their debt. But research has shown the average bachelor's degree holder takes 21 years to pay off his or her loans. Under federal income-based repayment options, remaining debt-free or remaining debt is forgiven after 20 years. Now, that does sound a little outrageous. Um... But Elisa didn't say you got to hold this in a nursing home. You know, could have read a little differently. So essentially, if you have a federal student loan, they do put you on a track to resolve that or repay it in 10 years. But they are forgetting that um, in 10 years we want a life, right? So maybe we need to go ahead and put ourselves on, because if, if it's going to go ahead and say, listen, the max is 20 years, then okay. Then maybe we need to set a aggressive goal for 15 years. 15 years, we're going to do everything we need to do to go ahead and pay this off. So that means, and I'm going to boost the age up. That means that if we graduated, finalized everything by 30, then we should not have this debt by the time we're 45. Now that may seem like, oh, I cannot believe. But you know that this 50-year-old still carrying debt? student loan debt yes I've spoken to a few and I'm like really and that's because you just get to this mindset of forget it you know it just is what it is and it doesn't stop you living in other aspects you're still able to get a house depending on what your payment plan is per month you're still able to get a car you're still able to make all these different life decisions it's just that this particular debt follows you like a lost puppy who's really really hungry but my thing is, if you set your plan to say, no, this stops by the time I have grandchildren, you know, just a thought, then maybe you'll look at it a little bit differently. I think that it lingers and it accumulates, you know, interest and it grows and it grows. And it's because we've just become accustomed to it's just a part of life. It doesn't have to be, though, especially if they didn't set it up for it to like 10 years is pretty they're saying what the average person pretty much graduates from what I remember in my graduating class for my bachelor's, my undergrad was maybe about 25. So they expect for you to be out of debt by 35, 35. You should really, I guess they're expecting at that point that you have determined, okay, I'm going to use this degree and I'm going to use this for my field. So you would have been in your career for about 10 years. And I guess they're expecting for some time you would have gotten some kind of raise of some sort, right? So maybe if we held off on getting the biggest house first, getting the most expensive car first, and just, you know, getting the essentials but not getting our luxury items first, maybe the student loan wouldn't be there for as long as it was or it is, right? And then just talking about mortgages. Went ahead and looked up due.com. Just how do you pay off? A 30-year mortgage with, let's just say, a percent rate of 4%. Now, Dave Ramsey, guru, I, I heart him. He's amazing in the financial realm. He actually recommends that you get a 15-year mortgage, um, that you pay it off earlier because essentially he doesn't 
want anyone to have a debt of a mortgage for 30 years, right? But for those of of us who did not know of Dave Ramsey prior to getting our mortgage or if we got it and just said, hey, I'll just pay this 30 like it's a 15, there are some options. So making an extra house payment each quarter, so at the end of, let's see, January, February, March, and then April, May, June, and, you know, count the quarters, okay? Um, if you make an extra house payment each quarter, you will save 65000 in interest and pay off your loan in 11 years earlier than on schedule. Yeah. Now, that example is for the average home, which is 220000 30-year mortgage, again, with the interest rate being 4%. Another way is you can divide your payment, your mortgage payment, by 12 and add that amount to each monthly payment or pay half of your payments every two weeks, so like a bi-weekly payment. And you'll save one extra payment each year, saving you 24000 and shaving off four years from your mortgage. That gives a totally different perspective. Can you imagine having a paid-off home? Matter of fact, do you know five people who have a paid-off home? Right, you could be one of those five. You can set the, the new trend and the new standard of, oh, it can be done. It absolutely can. Another way they said round up your payments so you're paying at least a few extra dollars a month. Every time that you get an increase or bo bonus or raise of some sort, make sure that you're adding that directly to the interest and to your mortgage payments thereof. But there's so many different, like if you look on this due.com, do.com, there's so many different things. That, I mean, they're talking about using your tax refund, and I have so much to say about that. But they have so many tips and things about how to get pay off your mortgage early. Like if you really, really, really wanted to get out of debt, if you really wanted to conquer whatever it is that is your overwhelming, oh, no, this just looks a little bit, you know, too, I feel small when I look at this situation. There are so many different ways to attack it there's too much information on these interwebs i'm sorry ignorance is just not you can't you can't walk around with that no more you can't there's too much information if you're getting a tax return you literally start your year off richer than what you were when you ended last year this is new income i don't even care if it's 500 dollars. that's 500 dollars that you did not have last year last month you can go ahead and save that, put that away so that you're not stressing for Christmas. Like it literally is aligned for you to have, you start your new year off with new money. And again, if you're not getting the 5,000s and the whatever, I don't believe in, because um, I follow the Dave Ramsey thing, I don't believe you should be getting these huge income taxes because that means they took too much from you. I am more of give me what I uh, need throughout the year. I don't want it all in one lump sum in a year that's new. That's just my preference. But this conversation, again, you always know I want to have thought-provoking conversations with you. I want to go ahead and, and just kind of, hey, what you doing? You know, in a friendly, loving way, because this is a judgment-free phone call, okay? I don't like it when I feel like you're getting ready to hang up, but I have to give you information that you're not either going to read on your own or no one else is going to tell you because I want you to be better. I want us to be better. And that's the kind of friends that I want in my corner. I don't want people who are going to yes and mm-hmm and, and see me in the same state of stagnation and say nothing. 
death to mediocrity. We're not doing that no more. We're not living like the other generations that were. We're going to do something new. We're going to blow people's minds and say, you're a millionaire and you're a teacher? Yes. Because I stayed in, in this working field, ma'am, sir. You understand? So go ahead and kind of identify what's that looming cloud? What's that area in your life? And let's make up a plan to attack it. No, it may not happen by tomorrow, but you know what? One of these tomorrows, you're going to accomplish it. Yeah, that was good English. I don't care what you say, okay? But I think you got what you need. I, I feel like you were a little bit more salty on this conversation. No, don't say nothing. I just, I feel like you're a little bit more aggressive. I don't know if I caught you at a bad time, but um, as my good nanny says, uh, all right, I ain't going to hold you. I'm going to let you go get some, I don't know, maybe you need some ice cream or something. You've been a little been a little irritable lately, but all right, Ella. I'll call you back. No, I will. Mm -hmm. No, don't say sorry. I'll call you back later. All right. <laughs> later.